This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to the Book of Bonnick, our Book of Boba Fett recap show. I'm your host, Arzu, and with me today, I have a lovely panel. I have Maggie. Hello. Norhal. Hello there. Brad. Hello. Alberto. Hi, hi. And Sarah. Hello. I'm excited to have you all here to talk about episode four, The Gathering Storm, and episode five, The Return of the Mandalorian, two wildly different episodes, but no less lovely in their own right. Um, Unlike our last recap, where we kind of talked about the two episodes together, this week, obviously, we are going to be talking about them separately because there is very little overlap. And I feel like if we get started on episode five, we're not going to go back to episode four at all. And my girl Fennec needs her due. So we're going to start with episode four and then we will move into five. So with that in mind, speaking solely about episode four, initial thoughts. Very entertaining. It was, yeah, poor Bonek. Um, I know everyone that's listening to the waffles know that that's the thing. Your name is one of the best (laughs) names for the book of Boba Fett out there, book of Bonek. So it was a very entertaining episode to finally see how Boba Fett and Fennec Shan kind of got together and see the whole transition of how now they are basically inseparable. So it was a very interesting and very entertaining episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed that we got to see the context of their partnership and that we got to see that like Fennec definitely has agency in it, which I know was a lot of people's concerns after the tragedy. Like how did she come into this like working for him? And I really enjoyed getting to see all of that play out and to see how she got her cybernetics and the mod parlor and all of that was just so much fun. Yeah, I think that this was a really fun episode that had a lot of great elements to it. And one thing that I said to Brad right before we started watching it was like, you know what I really want? I want a Jabba's Palace house tour, like Architectural Digest style. Yes. Tell me what's yeah. going on. Yes. And we got we got that. And I was laughing so hard because we got to see so many different interiors inside Jabba's Palace. And I thought that was uh, really enjoyable for me, at least. Yes. We need an MTV Cribs episode. <laughs> Just like Boba yes. hanging out yeah. with his new Rancor being like, welcome to my palace. Like, here's my kids. <laughs> Here are my this kids. Is exactly. This is exactly the mini, yeah. mini series that I want. It's just like MTV Cribs, but in Star Wars. It's At like Star the Wars, thing on, on Disney this. Plus that goes through the ships, but instead it like exactly. goes through the palace. Yes. There you go. Exactly. I'm pitching this on Twitter right now. Everything. Everything. <laughs> hey, we already have kind of pinned my ride. We're going to talk about uh, episode five, but yeah. Yeah. We've got Cribs and Pimp My Ride. It's an MTV night in here. <laughs> Brad, how about you? Thoughts on episode four? Yeah. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of rides in Star Wars, I mean, uh, Boba Fett's uh, spaceship dropping the the uh, seismic <laughs> charge in the Sarlacc pit. I mean, what a way to go yeah. out! That's yes. that's uh, that's crazy. Seriously. You know, it, like Sarah said on our our show, if if any way, uh, if there's any way the Sarlacc goes out, seismic charge it is. Um, also, <laughs> I realized after the fact that we were in like the Battlefront Two area in Jabba's <laughs> palace. I think Phil Stozak uh, mentioned it on his Twitter. Mm-hmm. I was very happy about that. Um, I like seeing new areas of things that we like already know so that was like feeding us the entire episode which is lovely <laughs> I, I i agree i think i said last time that my frustration was you know not having played the like online maps yeah. in battlefront i don't have a huge sense of space in java's palace so we were restricted to like two rooms and i'm like i want to see a little mm-hmm. more and we got that and it was beautiful <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So, okay. So we mentioned, you know, the ship, the Sarlacc. So the whole premise of their partnership is Boba recognizing Fennec after, I feel like he just wanted to see what was going on with the flare recognizes her for who she is and rather than turning her in or just kind of leaving her there although he's not that kind of guy he (laughs) takes her to the mod parlor which is a whole subculture of Tatooine it's now like a thing Mm -hmm. that I find absolutely fascinating and I don't know if you all agree with this assessment I saw on Twitter it might have been one of you I don't remember but somebody saying that Luke lived in an extremely cool place and just wasn't cool (laughs) enough to see it (laughs) yeah maybe he was a little bit obtuse I I made a comment on the Hollywood Critics Association's um, live stream that we do um, about the fact that I really like the concept of modding. Um, and I felt like it related very similarly to like those of us who are millennials. Like we've gone through like a really um, turbulent time period, which I wouldn't say is too dissimilar from the very turbulent time period of like the post empire and like all the stuff that like is going on and the idea of taking back like a claim of your own body and your own personhood and like making these decisions to like change and alter your appearance um a lot of the ways that like people go and get the big gauge piercings they get tattoos and all of this stuff and this idea of like this is my body i can do what i want with it and i can like get this cool eye or like mod up my arms so they can be like surgical tools like all of this stuff like it's so cyberpunk and I love it and I love the idea of it as a craze post-empire occupation mm-hmm. I think it's also really interesting to see because um, so much of Star Wars that we have seen nearly all of it is very straight and narrow in terms of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the looks especially for human characters I mean we follow Jedi and they are you know monks they all wear the same outfit you know <laughs> like yes um, you know they, they they all kind of um are very conventional in that way and so when we can kind of break out of that outside of like alien species and actually see um some of like i don't know if the right word is diversity but like diversity of look in mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the human characters i think that's really really cool and you're totally right maggie like taking back some of that agency and saying hey i can upgrade myself feel more like myself and mm-hmm. um like not provide something back but be able to do something better yeah you know it's interesting that you make the point about humans looking so one one note basically because i remember amelin holdo was like the most intriguing mm-hmm. character because she had pink yeah. hair like that yeah, was straight up meltdown <laughs> yeah. Yeah. did you know she wore a dress and you know she was also in the military it was very controversial it was very i know yeah, I love everything with the mod squad, the subculture that it has on Tatooine, and then the counterculture to everything, because every society has it. So, yes. so to see that now in Star Wars, and it's so different to what we're used to, especially on Tatooine. But it's funny because people complain, oh, the Jedi, how didn't they know that Obi-Wan was a Jedi because he dressed the same way that they do for whatever? Oh, it's the same as farmers, and people complain that it's the same clothes, and when you introduce something new, oh, it doesn't fit. So you're never gonna get that kind of everyone on board. But I love that it answered, at least for myself, some of the issues that a lot of people have with the previous episode and the Vespa gang. Now you know why they look different, why they mod everything. And this kind of shuts everyone up. And I love that scene, especially when they go inside the whole kind of ambience of the place. Very clean, because of course you're working with people's insights or whatever. So I love the difference of it. They kind of answered all those questions that a lot of people had for the previous one. 
And then, of course, as a great artist, he didn't want to cover his work at the end. I oh, know you got to leave that exposed so everyone to know. They have to come to me. <laughs> I was like, you know, there's sand outside, right? Like, it will go. <laughs> I know. It'll <laughs> uh, One thing I liked about them kind of doubling down on the mod squad, and I don't know if y'all y'all feel this too, is like, I know it kind of looked like the Vespa gang stuck out in the city, but... Mm-hmm. With this whole subculture that sprung up around it, it made me think because I went to high school in the suburbs, like kids, teenagers in the suburbs do not look like anybody else in the suburbs, nor do they particularly look like the city people they're trying to emulate. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a look all their own. Like we have seen other stories in the galaxy at this period. Nobody else is really dressing like this. Nobody is modding themselves like this. But this is what the youth of Tatooine sort of assume everybody else is Mm. doing. And they've made it their own thing. I don't even think they care if anybody else is doing this. And I like both appreciated that and appreciated the fact that when Boba and Fennec kind of go into their environment, now they look odd. Mm-hmm. They, they look very Star Wars, the two of them, but they don't particularly fit in with the mod parlor, which I thought was a nice contrast because that is essentially what that environment I know. is. I was going to say it also speaks to like Boba's um, openness to um, cooperation, whereas yeah, before I, I think he was somebody that was very closed off and didn't want to work with anybody. Now he's working with like all of these different <laughs> subcultures around Tatooine, like obviously yeah. the Tusken Raiders and now like the Mod Squad. And he like pitches to everybody in that that Godfather scene at the very end at the <laughs> dinner table. Right. That's mm-hmm. he's basically the Godfather in space. Um, he's he's open to working with different types of people. And I think that he's he's progressing in that way a little bit. Maybe like Fennec has opened his mind a little bit as well to that. But I think it mostly stems back to, you know, you can't get far without a tribe. So he's like, mm. I'll just, I'll just yeah. invite anybody in at this point. Like, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Let's, let's run the yeah. streets. <laughs> I also love the idea that he's, he's seen the mod squad before because he knew exactly where to go mm-hmm. for the mod parlor. So like in his little like wandering <laughs> post Tuscan tragedy, was he like, oh, that's cool. That's a good, good mental note to make. I can come One back from- and get some mods. Yeah. And- These Nowhere. Days. Oh, look, and it's I'll- the mod squad. <laughs> the mod squad. Oh, and also to bring a little bit, obviously, with the mod parlor, one thing I loved is that it was, I'm not sure if it's the second, but yeah, the second uh, bridal carry we had on Star Wars live action. I love when Star Sorry Wars is bridal <laughs> carries. Yeah, love that. True. Yes. Okay, so they leave the mod parlor and the first scene with Fennec waking up fireside with half her stomach missing could very easily have been something out of a horror movie. And I'm glad it didn't go there. And she's very quick to be like, it was this or death. Okay. And then very quickly asserts that boundary. Like Maggie was saying off the top that I think this was maybe something that had been in question when they popped up on the Mandalorian, like her being in his service. And what does that mean in terms of a partnership? And he is very quick to be like, help me with this one thing. And then I don't care what you do. And I wondered like what, whether this was a dynamic that you guys had sort of seen for them prior to this episode, or if this was maybe new to you. So for me, at least, I always thought that they had a relationship prior to meeting the Mandalorian because okay. I thought that's why he saved her. But then here, he he knew about her, but they didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised to see that. And then to, yes, this is just a one-time thing. But then throughout the episode, we find out that they create this relationship. I did like that it went that way, like you said, but I thought they had a relationship prior to this. I was surprised to see that that wasn't the case. I have read enough fan fiction to have expected this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's valid. I'm like, yes. I've read and written enough fan fiction. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this yeah. is exactly what happened. A- AO3 set, set a standards that we came in expecting. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was not disappointed. Rats, yeah, yeah I, I I love that whole scene with them at, by the by the fire. I think it could have gone on even longer. Th that's maybe just my preference, but I think I I would have liked to have seen Fennec dealing slightly more with how how uh, changed her body was. And um, I think also like obviously the Star Wars fan of me was like, tell her you know his sister, please <laughs> tell yes. her or tell him. Uh, and so you know that's that's where I want those things to go. Obviously, because I'm just a whatever. But um, I love Omega, but um, yeah, I thought it was just like a great, a great heart to heart. And the fact that she put so much of her trust in him so quickly, it, it felt right because he didn't really have to do any of that for her. And so I think she kind of felt indebted to him, but also like a lot of respect for him and the way that he carried himself and what he had kind of expressed that he had been through. Um, and obviously he's got a Bantha. So why wouldn't you trust a guy with a Bantha? Obviously. <laughs> Brad, I do agree with you. I think that the scene could have gone on a little bit longer. And I, for me, we just have a conversation with the mod parlor and body body autonomy and kind of being able to change, you know, parts of yourself. And I find myself a little bit frustrated. It's not the right word, but like wishing that that conversation had gone a little bit deeper in the sense that I don't yet feel like I know why Fennec Shan ticks, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And... I think if that like sort of thing happened to me, I would have been really like, oh my God, that's a huge sort of change um, in a person. And I wish that that scene had gotten a little bit meatier, um, but I just like all my characters very emotional and these are not these characters at all. So um, I recognize that, you know, that's just not the nature of these characters to have those sort of conversations. Um, but it does make mm -hmm. sense as to why they ultimately team up and it, it does set the groundwork for that, I think, quite well. I, I agree, Sarah, in that I think I would have been very happy if the bulk of this episode had been the two of them having a conversation because that's mm -hmm. that's the type of story I like. And I also mm -hmm. agree that, you know, four episodes in, I adore Fennec Shan, but I don't feel like I get Fennec yet. Like, mm -hmm. everything about her. I get the fact, the sense that she is, you know, she is loyal. She kind of would like some sort of self-determination, like self-employment sort of sees the pitfalls to bounty hunting that Boba does but beyond this just being a really good gig and her sort of like liking Boba however we want to read that as a person whatever way beyond that I want more of it I want to go a little deeper mm -hmm. with that character and I think this episode would have been a good vehicle for that mm -hmm. and I share like your wish and frustration that 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 didn't happen yeah, I think it it really goes back to, I think I talked about this a little bit on the last episode, just the way that Favreau writes. He writes like he assumes the audience knows exactly what he's thinking, and he misses a lot of those little connective moments that really help mm -hmm. to not only connect and bridge the character arcs, but also just to enrich the scenes. And there's a lot, particularly in this episode that is missing because you have you rely on the audience understanding these characters which you know we've seen Fennec now in the three different shows but we still don't really know who Fennec is yeah. and we just needed that extra like I think we can all like glean that she decided to stick around because of the whole like sometimes it's a good thing to be like leaving people thinking that you're dead. Like that whole line obviously was supposed to be like the thing that made her go, okay, yeah, I'll stick around. I can see some merit in this, but it would have been nice if she had like extrapolated on that just a little bit, like said a little bit more and not been so 
leaning on the audience to understand what she's saying. Yeah, because I think the character, her character is, um, even if it's a supporting character, it would be a good opportunity to flesh more her motivations and a little bit of Mm -hmm. background, something we haven't had yet. Yeah. I would have, uh, I would have loved a dream within a dream show like a flashback of Fennec as a kid you know um as Boba's dreaming of their interaction and get a little bit of her backstory because like so far we've gotten you know young baby Din Djarin young Boba Fett uh you know Daniel Logan's face and and Kamino um it would have been cool to see like just maybe a little glimpse of Fennec like like Mm -hmm. Sarah said like what makes her tick like what's the thing that keeps her going um and that and that adds to like the the weight of like her reputation because obviously like right when she wakes up boba says you're master assassin <laughs> fennec shan like he he knows her he like she's notorious obviously so how did she get to that point and um i don't know maybe we'll explore that in a future novel because i don't think she'll oh. get much of a focus in the bad batch but i think she deserves a book and i would love to see Mingna narrate that audiobook just say i'd like i'd like to there. see arzu amen being the one writing it yes <laughs> yes please i'm just it's manifest. I'm, I have a lot of free time manifest. on my hands, so I would love to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's got I, a really great idea, too. That's such an idea. No, um, so I think last episode, I think I had said that I was hoping, perhaps with the clown makeup on, that at some point um, something would happen to Fennec over the next four episodes that would require her to go in the back to tank. Because we've seen Boba has zero problem lending this back to tank out there. <laughs> and my thought was like she would end up in the back to tank and then that episode would focus on flashbacks from her point of view prior to meeting Boba with the direction of the season. Now that seems extremely unlikely. I'm willing to be surprised, but I don't think that's going to happen. So with that in mind, season two in the novel, call me. I have a pitch. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But anyway, like that, that had kind of been my hope especially after this episode, because I'm like, okay, we know where Fennec's at now. How did Fennec get to this point? But I totally agree with that thought. What a what a genius thought. Why aren't you writing this show? What the heck? Um, <laughs> but I think one of the but, but really, yeah. I think one of the things for me that, um, that we've clearly been steering away towards, do we'll have the conversation about episode five as well, but the, I was hoping for a much more kind of contained story, and it's getting much larger. And... Um, it's clear we've kind of made it to the present. I don't think we're going to get future flashbacks. And I really wish that was something that would have been drawn out across the entire season for these characters, because I mean, it gave us so much information about who uh, Boba is and why he is the person that he is in this context after all of that's happened to him. And again, like give us more Fennec. She's cool. Every, like everybody loves Ming-Na Wen. Like, it's big awesome like when i was re-watching chapter five today and she kind of jumps off the roof down i was oh, just like oh, gosh i was like i just love her My heart i just love her so much i also love how much of a star wars fan she is and mm-hmm. so you know that like every second she's on set she's geeking out and that just mm-hmm. it shines through like we've seen other actors who like have no interest in star wars being star wars and I just feel like the ones who actually genuinely love it have give such a better performance because they're so excited. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Shout out to the uh, Tem and, and Mingna press tour, by the way. It's it's just been glorious. Oh, if, good. If all of you have been keeping up with it. The, like the BuzzFeed quiz where he got Fennec as the character that he is in Star Wars. And she's like, no way. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, all these things are like you too in real life. And she's like, oh, thank you. And I'm just like, I, I just... I love them. Gosh, I love them. Give them a second season. They have Give such them, like, a seven dynamics. Seasons. Yeah, it's fine. My my brother today tried to say episode five and he said season five. So I'd like to think he's manifesting it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the it's the high republic problem. Phase three, wave one, phase one, wave two. I've you just know, given and up. you're like, just just do all of it. Just do all of it. Just you know. Everything. You put it on Disney Plus, we'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. So okay, I think maybe we should talk a little bit about the Sarlacc because that was a really cool action set piece. I don't particularly like action set pieces, but I really liked this one. Mostly because we see Fennec, like, I don't know who else has seen House of Gucci, but the energy in this relationship is, you're an idiot, but you're my idiot. Yes. And that's, like, driving headfirst into a Sarlacc, I have many a question. <laughs> like, and no answers. Well, no. Really? <laughs> He's, so, He's so dumb. Yeah, I think it was still in in assassin mode, right? Because he mowed down all those all those mm -hmm. Canton Strider, which I love that scene before they went to mm -hmm. the Sarlacc. That shot was just great, and he just annihilated all of them. But yeah, going into the Sarlacc and just as he's flying over, he's, dude, you're blocking the sun. You're not gonna see anything. <laughs> oh, I can't see. <laughs> really, really? I got and a tiny only, flashlight. The smallest flashlight on the ship. <laughs> Come so on, he's not very smart. No, <laughs> I know. I think that it's like a, a trait of all Mandalorians, they're just not particularly bright. <laughs> no, they're not Are you a Jedi? at all. Yeah, inside that helmet, yeah. it's lack of oxygen, it's not getting to the brain. <laughs> No, I, I think that lizard did a bit too much damage. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and, the, and the funniest part is that. Uh, I mean, we, we just mentioned the seismic charge and how the Sarlacc was annihilated. And then, next time, don't push my buttons. Like, <laughs> you were about that whole, to die. That yeah. whole sequence was so good because it was like, one, short girl problems. Can't relate, but like, I sympathize. Because she's just, like oh, reaching okay. and trying so hard to reach in there. But also the fact that I was like, move over, smugglers run. I want this to be the new Star Wars ride at Galaxy's Edge. Yes. Like where you're suspended over the Sarlacc and like everybody has to work together to hit buttons to like save yourself. There's so much room like Disney, wow. Disney World. Call me. I have ideas. We're going to make really? Galaxy's Edge better. You could walk oh inside the fire spray. That'd be awesome. They should, <laughs> yeah. they should do that. They should do mm -hmm. that. That's a great idea. And it would be so different because it's yeah, like just... the jumps. It's like the jump seats and stuff. It's so different. Mm -hmm. and then you could you could add Han and Boba uh, actors on on uh, on the parks, and they're just staring across. <laughs> they're just staring at each other from across, like the <laughs> like who's got the better pad, ride? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> arms crossed. Be so awkward. Why isn't <laughs> Disneyland and Disney World entirely a Star Wars theme park? I don't understand. Look at these ideas. The genius. Right? I mean, we can pitch a whole land. Why <laughs> are the two galaxies' edges the same park when they yeah. could be different parks? Yeah. Yes. It wouldn't be Batu East and Batu West. It could be yeah, Batu and something else. <laughs> or it could be Black Spire Outpost and in the town that's, you know, 4,000 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> this was like the uh, the town that they colonized. They like left there and they went to this other town and also called it Blackspire. 
black and it kind of looks similar but yeah they did some different things this is where you know the fire sprays park this is where the millennium falcons park it's brilliant it really is it's the one east which should be south they still call it the slave one because down here we florida doesn't know so on the west they call it fire spray but down here it's slave one still they haven't gotten the info yet no they're not that's (laughs) tragically hilarious oh my goodness unfortunately yes Okay, back to the fire screen. Hashtag Twitter problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the big, so anyone get that jump scare when the big flies out? Oh, yeah, the, the beak. <laughs> okay, maybe somebody can explain the controversy to me with the beak. At what point did the beak get added into the special editions? Because I'm starting to think that whatever edition added that was the first one I saw. I that wasn't the was 1997 special edition, was it? Was it people were mad because the Starlock didn't always have a beak and then it got like added in later? It might have been the Blu-ray edition from Okay, the Blu-ray. Maybe. Because George added a couple of things like the you know Darth Vader picking up Emperor Palpatine going, No. (laughs) But I think think that beak was there with the when the special editions went to the theaters back late in the nineties. I think I wanna say I saw it there, which did look kind of janky back then. So I didn't enjoy it. Was that when Han Solo like levitates above? Java? No, that was the DVDs. Okay, DVDs. That wasn't okay. the that wasn't the like nineteen ninety. That was the DVDs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the DVD change. Well, yeah, well, Many. at least on on Book of Boba, it looked great. So I didn't mind the beak and the extra tentacles. It looked great, and there's no way they could pull it back after it's, it's been part of Star Wars for twenty years. Yeah, now it doesn't exist. It didn't make sense, but it looked great this time. So I don't. I don't agree with any and controversy out there. I don't know. Ultimately, it's George Lucas's vision because whatever the final product, he finally got the final product <laughs> of should be the thing that's the yeah. most canon. Yeah. If and we're the... revering Lucas still. <laughs> and what's up with the beak haters? Why are, why are there beak haters <laughs> out there? What a silly thing to, to be like really grumpy about um, because it worked so well for this like jump yeah. scare. And yeah. I think it was really effective and also hilarious. Because I can't. I just can't believe. I was gonna say I can't believe Star Wars fans are mad about this, and then I'm like, wait a second. I'm talking about Star Wars fans. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> All right. So they blow up the Sarlacc. They go to the kitchen. We get a delightful tour where we learn that they actually get a lot more green vegetables on Tatooine than I had assumed previously. <laughs> Miss the cutest no, this part, is, though. This yes. is this was before they didn't go to the kitchen after. Yep. I just yeah, did one before because this is still on my mind. Was the rat catcher droid? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it took me three watches to realize that he made it to the end. Yeah, and that he's still yeah. alive, and I was very <laughs> upset. <laughs> what was the cute part I missed? Where she's pouring water on his head. Yes, You're burning up. Oh my god! Yes. How did you miss the big bonic moment? I needed to, because I needed is. to get my my rat I mean, grief off my chest. First of all, it was a huge uh, uh, trial of trust because she was pulling him up from the starlight, mm. and he she was like, oh. "Exactly." Mm. It's like, yeah, she's she was proving her. He's he he can trust her. And then she's putting water on, on, on her, like, and she's worried, like, oh, you're getting, it's going to damage this acid and you need a back to tank. She's all concerned, you know, just see that. Yes. I love that scene so <laughs> No, it's, a, it's an extremely cute scene. 
There's this one and then Boba's wedding vows. (laughs) Hand in hand. (laughs) This was the Bonnick episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what? You didn't like that the Rat Catcher Joy made it all the way to the end, or you I were okay with the Rat Catcher Joy? I was oh, okay. crying the first oh, time I watched oh, it, six, oh. like six thirty in the morning, sobbing <laughs> over this Rat Catcher Droid. So it just really stayed with me, and only when rewatching it to record tonight did I realize it's still alive. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just love the kitchen droids so much. Um, yes. It that scene, that little fight scene where they're running around the kitchen, is so whimsical. <laughs> It's such a delightful, absurd time. I was like, this feels like the first two Harry Potter movies in like the yeah. best way. Yeah. Um, yes. And I also just have to say, um, the choppy choppy general grievous plus uh, stir whip, stir whip, 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 stir equals yeah. triple zero energy. And that was all like, like a really, really good combination for me personally. And then Fennec just like slices his neck. Oh, and wow. I was so upset because I was like, ah, oh, he's got six knife arms this is so exciting <laughs> no goner immediately no. but um shout out to the droid controllers and puppeteers and anybody who yes. makes those droids move yeah. also the banthos shout out to puppeteers <laughs> thank you we love a puppeteer we do <laughs> yeah so yeah so the flashbacks end on a wedding vow note <gasps> oh my goodness we were all in our glory and then they flash ahead to present day where two things happen. We have our scene with Black Chrysanthemum. So with hot. King. <laughs> King. Which was glorious. So hot. And I love that he's sticking around. Everything about that scene. It's really important to me, honestly. Garcia playing. Yeah. Black Chrysanthemum. Oh my God. It was all working. No. Oh my gosh. Don't get Never me started. Garcia Flip. Never. <laughs> like, go right no. ahead because it's going to turn into a Black Chrysanthemum party otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's just—it's yes, just the positive here. affirmation for me. It's the you are a champion. Mm-hmm. Like you've—you've you've done it all. You're just so great. I'm just like, thank you, Garcia Whip. I just needed that. <laughs> I just needed that this <laughs> morning on a Wednesday. Um, it felt very personal to me. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I am very alarmed by my love for BK because I've never like found Chewbacca attractive. <laughs> and then you've just got a broody, tall, dark, and broody Wookiee, and I'm I'm sold. I'm like, wherever you go, I will follow. <laughs> I think See, it's because we all saw Chewbacca when we were little. Yeah. And he looks like vaguely teddy bearish. I was gonna blame like, like two years way. of the pandemic, but I like your answer better. <laughs> well, there's there's that too. There's the fact that none of us have really gone outside in two years. <laughs> so that's not helping. <laughs> I was a tarful girl growing up. Um <laughs> so here we are. This is the natural evolution of this. <laughs> I feel that I loved Tarful. I still love Tarful. Um so Black Chrysanthemum showing up has just like been the best thing to ever happen. I don't think I could have predicted it. And I'm so thrilled by it. He's really making that. the show for me. Um, no offense to Boba Fett or literally anybody else in the mm-hmm. cast. But um, Black Chrysanthemum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I never knew that the Star Wars community and the Ferris community might get together. But I guess it's, it's getting there with a few people. Hey, but- Palimoto. Palimoto is one huh? of us. Yes. So, so far, sorry. Sorry. They were Wait. slowly preparing us for that scene, I guess. They need to ask her opinion on Black Chrysanthemum. I need Whoa. her to meet him. I need oh her my to God. meet him. 
I mean, and we knew that uh, Mascanara and Chewy had something, so maybe, maybe, I, on, maybe I'm behind. Yeah. I'll Talk take about a height back. difference. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love a height difference in Star Wars. Hey, by the way, from of, one uh, extreme to the other. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Galaxy's Edge, um, why don't we add Black Crescent while we're on while we're talking about yes. all these things we should be adding? Yes, I, mean, I, want, I want like an 88 inch Black Crescent <laughs> walking around the park, and I want to hug his leg and his leg, like his thigh, be bigger his than leg. my whole body. Just the thigh. <laughs> yes, yes. yes her, very powerful thighs. <laughs> yeah, but listen, as it is, the Wookiees at the parks get the best hugs. They do. Black Crescent is large. Like, he's also. Wearing quite a lot of armor. <laughs> it's okay. He'll work around it. Yeah. <laughs> but I would probably cry if I saw him in real life. Honestly, if there are like our Black Crescenton cosplayers out there at the next major conventions, I will probably have to like turn around and walk away. Like <laughs> just out of like be like sheer like um astonishment that the like the Swookie's actually in front of me. <laughs> you all heard it here, a next major convention. Find Sarah if you're dressed like Black Panther. <laughs> yes. I will. She I will like have to it. walk away. I will Fair have her. to walk away. I can't. Like it's like too much for me. <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed by the presence <laughs> of bookies anytime, anywhere. Yes. So we had Black Crescenton, who is now on staff. He is part of mm -hmm. Boba's ever-growing crime family, mm -hmm. and attends Salaried. the Godfather dinner. Oh yes. End where Boba asks everybody very nicely if they will fight with him, and they all say no. <laughs> and he's like, okay. Just to stay neutral. Fine. Just stay neutral, which I don't know that I trust anybody to do that, but I don't know. Am I, uh -huh. am I being overly suspicious? Oh, no, they're going to betray him. <laughs> yeah, I think especially... Of course. Yeah, after episode five, I don't want to jump too much, but I think it was Lauren Romo on Twitter that Put what if the Platoonian, the Platoonians that Mando killed in episode five are part of that Platoonian gangster that's on Tatooine, and maybe that creates some friction, and then that's the guy that betrays Boba Fett. But even before that, I was pretty sure that at least one of them is gonna betray them. Just makes sense that at least one of them would just yeah, whatever. I like my spice money, so I'll I'll keep with the pipes. Yeah. You know, technically, Boba just said, you know, if the Pikes approach you, don't work with them. But they never really agreed to anything outside of that. So I think the loophole, at least for the Trandoshans, is they're going to hire Bosk and they're going to take <laughs> want him to take oh. down Boba Fett. Because I just think if the Trandoshans are going to look this good, you can't not put Bosk <laughs> in the show. Like you got you got to throw him in there because they oh, look yeah. so good. Yeah. I want to see like updated Bosk. I'm a Bosk. Very I can't take my eyes off like the the Trandoshan design whenever they're yeah. on screen because of really just cool. how eyes. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. they look so much. Yeah. They look so good. Alberta, you were talking about conflicts with between like the our Boba Fett team here yeah. and everybody else. I mean, Black Kersantan just yeah. ripped off a Trandoshan arm. Mm -hmm. That could also Maybe. cause some beef yeah. within this sort of uh, precarious relationship. They just all a have. little bit. Just I don't know where he just didn't like the Trandoshans, having fun, winning money, drinking, and he's by himself, just lost lost his job and he had to take it out on someone. And unfortunately, it was the Trandoshans <laughs> having fun, but yeah. Well, they might they're come Wookiee back. hunters. Yeah. You know, yeah. it took me out after yeah. the first when I watched it the first time, I'm like, what the hell? Do we just let her have fun? And then after I process it, oh no, no. That's right. Trandoshans and Wookiee, they they have a okay, Wookiee hunters. Yeah. Sorted history. Mm -hmm. I just, 
I question Boba's belief. Like, I know he, he knows he needs muscle, and we're about to get into episode five. But I question Boba's very quick acceptance that everybody is just kind of on board. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. none of us present, none of the six of us have been bounty hunters for 35 years. Boba Fett know. has, that I know of. <laughs> um, that's true. I, I mean, yeah. Alberto could be. He's got plenty of helmets, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yes. That's true. That's true. That's true. Other than Alberto, none of us have been bounty hunters for 35 years. I'm hiding. (laughs) This is not my real name. I'm hiding from people out there. It's Roberto, right? (laughs) (laughs) Roberto. You opened yourself up to that one. one. I just walked into that one. Radio Rebel Pod's actually an anagram for I am a bounty hunter. You figure it out. Let me just code you. name. <laughs> You're gonna have to trust me. All, all the letters are there. It, it's right. Like, uh, someone's calling me. I gotta head out. You guys just oh, redacting all of this after today. That's it. But like, oh. I, I just question this supposed best bounty hunter in the galaxy taking three crime families at their word like that. Again, he's can he still work in his? I know, but he's not yeah, smart. but Fennec is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he even says, you've got the brains. <laughs> yeah, you've got the brains. you got the, the muscle. muscle. I mean, it's not that she's got the guts anymore, so somebody's got to have yeah. brains. Boo. Boo. He saw the beauty <laughs> as well, but he didn't mention that. So <laughs> Boba Fett's a gentleman. Yes. Of course. Of course he is. He no, I think, it's, I think it's really interesting that he is so guileless and so gullible. Um, it's really it's really fascinating to me. And I, it, it kind of goes back to some of the same things that I've, I've said about like Din is that they're all just little boys in helmets, yes. which I think is the most interesting way to reduce these badass bounty hunters that they're really just lost boys who are wearing this armor and hopes that it makes them who they can't, they haven't found out how to be yet. Yes, as a matter of fact, when they were looking for their armor, that's the impression he gave me. The Boba, like, oh, I want my armor. Like a little kid who's like, dude, you're going to a Sarlacc. You're going to get an acid. But no, he wants his armor. He doesn't even remember he had an armor when he left. So Yeah, it's, it's just very, it's very interesting to me. And it, it, it plays into a lot of my favorite characters are that way. Like, that's my favorite trope for male characters and fantasy and sci-fi because it it adds so much to them but i need the follow-through with it i need him to have that that moment where he is like okay this is what i have to do like i've seen i've seen how this works now like the the come together moment so i'm hoping it's coming in the next two episodes (laughs) (laughs) yes I can't figure where it came for Boba because, you know, he loses Django and then we sort of piece it together through like the Clone Wars and the novels that aren't really canon anymore and all that. But he's basically like 11, 12 years old on his own trying to figure all of this out. And he's a punk. Yeah, but he's getting taken advantage of a lot by older bounty hunters. And at some point that sticks. At some point it hardens you. Like at some point you stop trusting anybody and i don't think that three years with the tuscans are enough to undo a lifetime of mistrust unless he just never hit that hard point because we haven't like we don't really see much of like young adult boba because we see him like Mm -hmm. very little in the original trilogy and we sort of see him as a teenager but we don't see anything in between 
So I just don't know if if he never learned his lesson with the bounty hunters when he was a kid. Like, I don't know where that disconnect is for him. And we get that a little bit with him telling Fennec, like, these people don't care if we live or die. Like, we should take this into our own hands and unionize. Um, <laughs> and I wonder if it was, like, the realization that, like, Jabba didn't care. None of them cared if he died. Yeah. And just, like, that realization and then that people who didn't even know him didn't even know who he was were willing to extend that like hand to him and give him a chance if that just like fundamentally changed. But again, I, I just kind of blame Favreau for not really making connections where they should be made and relying yeah. on us to sit in a group of six people trying to figure out <laughs> what was the, the moment? What was that key trajectory point for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where I feel like I think a lot of, a lot of like really good TV tends to be like eight to 10 episodes a season. Mm -hmm. I think we like we've slowly obviously gone down from like the 20 episode seasons. And I think like eight's kind of the normal I one. It. I miss 23 um, episodes so much. Yeah. And even like 10 episodes of like a mm -hmm. like, you know, a show like Euphoria, for instance, I'm just watching that right now. So I'm thinking of it, um, you know. Each of those are about 50 minutes to an hour. I feel like the show, there's no reason to like fill in a lot more of that time with some of like, you know, like in-depth look at in-depth looks at like Boba Fett as a character. Um, to like you said, Maggie, like kind of fill in some of those gaps. Um, I was really hoping we were gonna see some Daniel Logan, you know, flashbacks mm -hmm. kind of juxtapose yeah. like a Boba Fett, what he went through, kind of the kind of uh building the distrust with people versus like Boba Fett of present, which is like earning the trust of people and like sort of balancing those two storylines. So you know, it's tough when you have like a 35 minute episode to open your series and you're just like, this is a like a hundred million dollar show. Why is this 35 minutes? <laughs> There's so much yeah. more story and like so much deeper you could go with it. But um, I, I still think that the show is doing a good job, but it could go deeper in some some parts. Really they connect those time. dots. Yeah, yeah. Could use it. Yeah, I always thought, oh, I hope that there will be at least one more flashback to the Camino era because they—that's how it starts with those flashbacks and just the same scene kind of cut up for those first two mm -hmm. episodes. And I think it's so important for the character that we're seeing now to see that kind of distant relationship with his father. That I, I wish, and again, the way the story is going out, I don't think it's going to happen. That we get one more look back at young Boba and Django before he died or was killed, I guess, to kind of build some of that that we're talking about. But I don't think they're going there now, which I think is a, a pretty big miss. I just wish that we got at least one more flashback to that time period. And Tamora playing Django in the show, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be something. De-age him just a little bit. Yeah, just a little. You know, and then you, you got it. Put some hair on him. <laughs> I Absolutely. I want to see him wearing that those like Camino pajamas. Those are cool. Yes. Roll up the sleeves and watch Cozy Django. Yes. Cozy Django. Oh yes. <laughs> All right. I think we've talked around it enough. We can move on to episode five. The return oh, of the Mandalorian. Now, before we get into this, I just out of curiosity, how many of you, in reference to this episode at some point this week, um, Referred to the show as The Mandalorian rather than The Book of Boba Fett. Me. me. Today. <laughs> to me. I've Not done me. it every single no, time no. I've referred to the episode by accident. It's just a habit. I was trying to get somebody to watch it with me. I'm like, do you want to watch The Mandalorian? And they're like, Boba Fett? I'm like, yes. Boba Fett. Because I had Din Jang yeah. on the brain. Yeah. 
Oh, you know, it's an it's an interesting man. it's an interesting choice. It's an interesting choice. I would say, like for me, the episode, like as an episode, it's one of the best things I've seen in Star Wars because it's such a a brilliant uh, tale of like Din Djarin's like rebirth. Like he's basically in the exact same place that he was in Chapter One of the Mandalorian. You know, his one liner, "I'll bring you in warmer colds," yeah, yeah. like, slicing a guy in half. He did all those things in Episode One, right? And then he kind of figures out that he can't be a lone wanderer anymore like he used to be it's just like not it's just clearly not working we see that with the weight of the dark saber literally like dragging him down and he can't carry it anywhere so as like an episode is really good however i wonder if it would have maybe worked better as like a uh like a prologue you know right before the season starts like su surprise yeah. like a week before say hey we're <laughs> dropping like you know this mandalorian special and at the end it doesn't really spoil anything from boba fett because then you're like there. oh i can't yeah, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see what that's about later on. And then it would kind of mm -hmm. continue the momentum of the show um, when it really needs it. Because I think we were starting to get somewhere with Boba Fett. So for me, the momentum kind of went away just slightly. But I love the episode. Yeah, the episode was great. and But I have to admit that at one point I was like, where's Boba? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love Din Djarin. I love my Mandalore and all. But yeah, at one point... I, I miss Boba and yeah, I it was great at the end. We had Fennec, but yeah, I was hey, where's Boba? Why didn't have it in the episode? But yeah, it's uh it was an interesting choice. Yeah. My take is a little less judicious um <laughs> in terms of the wording and, and I do feel like it is a good piece of Star Wars. It's fun to watch. It's it's a Mandalorian greatest hits with all the characters that show up, but it's not an episode of the Book of Boba Fett. And maybe it'll all come together and like Brad and I are recapping on like the opposite too. So the next conversation we have will be about this episode and six. So who knows, you know, <laughs> by, by this week it might change. But I just feel I was like 30 minutes into this episode and I paused it and I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is not like I was talking to my mom. And I was like, mom, I signed up to watch a show about Boba Fett, which is something I never thought I would say because I'm not like a Boba Fett fan. And here we are. And I'm watching The Mandalorian and I thought I had it wrong, you know? Um, and like, there's so many elements of the episode that are really fun. And like, I love the settings in the first 25 minutes. Oh my gosh, the ring, the like, the meatpacking plant, like, insane, incredible, amazing. Love these places. I love what they add to Star Wars. But I'm like, what are we doing right now? And, <laughs> I have to say that personally, like, it doesn't give me a lot of hope that they're going to stick the landing for Boba Fett. It feels like he's like, got to go visit a little friend. And I'm like, okay, great. We're going to get Grogu sitting in the little thing in the in the ship. And it's going to be him and his little chain mail. And they're going to come save the day. And there's going to be some triumphant music. And that's going to be great. But it's not Boba Fett. And so I'm just a little bit like, darn. I don't know if the comparison that I'm going to do is the best one, but in some way it felt like, and don't get me wrong, I love Marvel, but it felt like uh, Captain America Civil War to the Avengers that some mm. people says that, hey, it, it's it's a Captain America, the third of the trilogy, but it feels like uh, Avengers 2.5. Yeah. In some way. I might surprise a few people. People out there that know me, oh. I'm a huge Boba Fett fan. It's been my number one since I've been a little kid, 
if you can see when this you were is, a bounty hunter when i was a yeah, bounty hunter my younger days, you had posters of Boba Fett there, up in your ship yeah i was 20 minutes into this show this episode and i could care less about boba fett i was back in and i didn't know i missed mando and this the feel of the show till it yeah. hit me i've been saying Give me a break from Mandalorian. Give me a break from Grogu. I don't need them. I don't want Grogu in season three. I saw Mando. I saw him <laughs> slashing. Slash, he's My down son. there also. He's everywhere. But I was back in this world Maybe. that I didn't know I missed so much. So I didn't miss Boba Fett. It ended, and I that's, I don't care. I love you. <laughs> I'll see you next week. But I... I love being back with Din Djarin and the setting of the Mandalorian world is so different to Boba Fett mm. and just the production value felt different. So I was hooked in as soon as he walked in and you just saw he, the, the silhouette and you saw the spear. So, you know, it was him and I was on board all the way. So that I understand. The, yeah, yes. I understand the, the issue. Hey, this is the book of Boba Fett and this didn't really do anything to move the story forward. But at that moment, I couldn't care less. For 45 minutes, I was fine with it. And I think, and it all depends what the next two episodes do. If mm -hmm. they don't connect at in mm -hmm. some point, and yeah, you can say that the way that Din Djarin's story is going kind of emulates what Boba Fett is going through. Mm -hmm. But I guess there has to be a bigger connection by the end. But at that moment, you're sitting there and watching it. I was fine with it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm yeah. I'm pretty much on par with where you are uh, with it, Alberto, because like I did not realize how much I missed in Jaren yeah. until yeah. he showed up on my screen. And then I was like, I'm crying. I'm like <laughs> squealing at like 5 a.m. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I watch a lot of serialized television that does crossovers. I may or may not watch like all the Law and Orders and all the Chicago. <laughs> don't judge me. Um, but whenever they do big crossover events, episodes like that it almost always seems like the the cast from the other show kind of dominates mm -hmm. that episode of this other series and usually it's to like catch people up to speed where this character has been before they kind of gear into a much more like crossover event and I think I had my expectations for this set kind of with the idea, I think it was at Disney Investors Day where they talked about how all of these spinoffs are leading to like a big event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And so I kind of knew that we were going to get these moments where like the other show is going to dominate the the central show that's running. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I wasn't disappointed by it. I This was like pretty much exactly what I expected. I had hoped that like there'd be a little bit more Boba that he would yeah. be there at the end. But I actually kind of liked the Finnick dynamic better because we got Din like admitting that he has friends basically without saying <laughs> yeah. it like it's on the yeah. house like okay you have a friend and I think that it it almost worked better with it being him and Phoenix like they had a moment alone um but it, it's really hard for me to say that like this doesn't connect to Boba Fett just because Boba Fett is a Mandalorian whether we want to agree on that or not mm -mm. and Din is a Mandalorian he's exploring so much about the Mandalorian history and Din is the best way to introduce that to people who are watching the book of Boba Fett, who maybe weren't like super obsessed with the Mandalorian and probably never watched the Clone Wars. But I'm sure there's a lot of people that were like, oh, yeah, I like Boba Fett and the original trilogy. I'm going to watch this show. I haven't got around to the Mandalorian. And they got a really good backstory and history of the Mandalorians and kind of the the state of them as a people through the only character that cares because Boba doesn't really care. 
Um, <laughs> he doesn't care, but it's still good for him. Who he is yeah. and what his armor stands for and who his father yeah. was. Uh, since we did get some of that connection and the tragedy about his father having fought and the one war mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I think this was a really great way to introduce all of that and hopefully connect it to where things are going because I don't feel like Den is like the only, like one Den is not going to take out the Pikes. Like, nope. love you, man, but you're not actually that good of a fighter. <laughs> you cut your leg in the yeah. beginning of this episode. So I'm really <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to see where all of I, all of this goes. Yes, um, no, and I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I really love this episode. That was a minor complaint missing Boba, but it it was really good from the point of view that it connects mm-hmm. all the 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 backstory and it gives us like a prologue of what we can expect on season three of the Mandalorian. And hopefully, I mean that this is this uh, season of Book of Boba Fett is not the last time we're gonna see Boba. I mean, he's gonna be involved yeah. in the in the larger story in a connected point of view. So I really enjoyed that and also seeing where Din is because of course I have a lot of questions it's like oh wait a second we left him in this light cruiser uh where he was just given the 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 blade back back to Bo-Katan and now he's like it belongs to me so what happened between that I have so many questions and what how that's gonna pan out for season three but in the meantime we had this process where he's basically the Toretto of the galaxy with his new ship and working with his chips and doing things for the family. I don't have friends. I have family kind of thing. Like it's on the house. So yeah, I, I enjoy that. I think like just for my overall impression, I think I'm like sort of aligned with where Brad is. Like I thought this was a really good Star Wars piece. Yeah. I wish it had come first. Like, this could have been the the December 29th episode. And then we just kick off 2022 with just Boba's story. And then that, mm-hmm. that weaves in that way. I also see where the thematic connections are between Din and Boba's story. Although I was missing Boba, like Sarah, way more than I thought I would. <laughs> given that I did not like Boba Fett a year ago. but Or just over a year ago. But I, my concern is to go back to what you were saying earlier about John Favreau as a writer, if it was anybody else writing, I'd be like, yeah, we're fine. We've got this. It's all going to connect. They're going to draw those lines that we need drawn and we're going to stick the landing. With John Favreau's assumptions, one, that we know what we're th- what he's thinking and two, that we think the same things he thinks are cool are also cool. I worry that he's not going to make the necessary story connection for it to impact without us having to sit in a setting like this and draw the lines ourselves. And I'm not saying I want my media spoon-fed to me. Mm-hmm. Make me think about it, absolutely. But don't make me have to fill in blanks that the story should have filled in for John us to then go this is my that, that marvel. <laughs> this is my worry. And like, I might be worrying prematurely. I would love, love, love to be wrong. But I'm, I'm hesitant going into next week because mm-hmm. now... Is Din going to go see Grogu and then bring Grogu to Fennec and Boba and be like, that was fun? Or are we going to go there and have to see the Jedi school? And that's another 25 minutes off of Tatooine doing something else. Like, But yeah. if we get baby Ben, 
Well, yeah. If we get baby Ben Solo, I will shut up so fast. <laughs> like the hypocrite I am. <laughs> They're gonna be so Adam Driver, like Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Driver, just no, no, no. Oh, no it's gonna best, be the, the iCarly, like <laughs> Jerry Trainer <laughs> in the baby basket, like ah, you know. <laughs> no, the the best comment was from Danny over at Rogue Padron, and they said in in my uh, my thread. No, just put Adam Driver in a diaper and everybody's like, yep, that is a perfectly normal four-year-old baby. <laughs> my, my child is fine, too. I have no doubt in my mind that Adam Driver would be like, okay. Sure, sure. Do I up? Commit to the bit. D.H. Harrison Ford walks out holding Breaking news. Harrison Ford has broken his leg again on the set of Star Wars, carrying Adam Driver in the, in the bridal carry, third one of, the, of Star Wars. Oh, no. If but that I, happens, I, I, I take back everything first. I said. <laughs> See, here's the thing with me. If they bring Triple Zero in, I feel that it's, it's, it's like I love I love Ben Solo, obviously, but like I, I don't see it happening in my my worldview here. But if they bring Triple Zero in, I will forgive them for all their sins. I really will. Like you, come on, you got two episodes. We are they bring Doctor Afra. The way yeah. that so many of us have that thing that like if Star Wars did that, I'd never say a, a negative word again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just like. Every uh, all Star Wars is good Star Wars so fast. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> for me, it's all also... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Valid, valid. Okay. So much like the back half of the last episode, there are two major set pieces to this one. Let's talk about the first one. I know Maggie has a lot to say about this one, but specifically Din going to this ring space station the name of which i feel like somebody announced i can't remember what it is but it is a beautiful location does anybody halo. know the name it's halo no it's master chief was there he was in the background you can see him so din crosses <laughs> over CGI into man. the halo video game franchise which is now getting a tv show so oh my god yeah. <laughs> Don't even so, and they also wear helmets <laughs> so it's all the mandalorians and they're connected the, the halo series actually has an episode called the return of the mandalorian part two and it's, <laughs> it's six episodes in there you go. So, you're on the Halo it. space station. That's where Ben Solo shows up. Yes. Very <laughs> Halo. Halo. He's dead. Because he's an angel, Maggie, not because he's dead. Because he is an Ouch. angel who never did anything wrong. Yep. <laughs> Ouch. So, you mean ow? Oh, my God. Ow. Oh, question mark. Yeah, I feel like no. I missed something, but I'm fine that I missed it. I don't want to know. <laughs> you remind us all of Ben Solo died. And now we're Oh, because that jump. So. Out. I, get it. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I blocked out everything after episode <laughs> eight. I do want to make a comment about um, this like setting. Mm. And, um, you know, NFTs aside, Bryce Dallas Howard did an amazing job uh, this episode. <laughs> I would say like the the shot. Okay, so the shot when Mando goes in the elevator up to the next the floor, shot. goes into the room, goes back into the elevator, down the elevator, all one so continuous good. shot. That is like hard AF. Mm -hmm. Like that's just something that I think a lot of people don't take for granted when your eye is not trained a certain way and you might not notice it, but it's like so hard. Cause like every single 
thing in that shot has to work. Like the people have to move in the right way. The camera has to move through those people in the right way. You, you can't mess anything up. And it's just like so brilliantly done. It's so hard to do, um, especially in a place like the volume, I would imagine when like the LED is changing constantly and you're having to adjust for that as well. So I'm, I'm sure it's even harder, but like props to her for directing yes. like continuously, like top tier episodes of star wars and she should just get her own series at this point I i'm fully convinced she's going to get the bo katan series if she that should thing give happens. up the nfts yes. and then get her own series mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yes. i mean I, it has to go to a redhead right yeah <laughs> yes. absolutely why not <laughs> i will say while we're also praising the creatives like seriously the design of this episode is Gorgeous. top notch awesome. top notch stuff um so shout out to like people who are doing the rendering and you know everybody who's doing the, the concept art people yeah and like, right oh like everybody behind the scenes and i want to also shout out to the costume designer um i have to shout out hot pink pants extra um yes she rocks my world she's got her her bright neon pink shoes with her bright neon pink pants and like her yellow gloves icon icon <laughs> more of that yes. in star wars please <laughs> i love how colorful this show has been for a yeah. show that has been primarily set on Tatooine Sad every sand planet <laughs> everybody has been so bright and colorful and fun I love it because you find the joy when you live on a dust ball mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. mostly anyway so okay so Din finds the two remaining members of his Mandalorian cohort the armor mm. and Paz Vizla and okay maybe this was just me maybe you all agree i think i told maggie this but din shows up and shows the armor the dark saber and she's like oh if you win that in a fight you become the next ruler of mandalore also you have a beskar spear that can pierce beskar also you're wearing beskar can i see your spear for a second <laughs> and din hands it over and i'm going she's and then she's heating it up and i'm like my guy <laughs> You are far too trusting. And then that's not where that wound up going. But I will say, I did spend about 10 I thought minutes. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't it's know like, if anybody dude, else did. I was stressed. We have very few reasons to trust the armor. I've decided. Yeah. Zero. She, None. Zero. zero. Yeah. Anyway. Are we on, the only are reason we on I would the trust the armor is because she didn't stab him when she could. Uh, the, the armor is real okay. cast. Oh, yeah. 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 Are we on uh, that train now? Because I think I'm that's... always on that train. But I don't know that character. Yes. Brooke. Rook cast, yeah. Oh, I definitely feel like it's Rook. Yeah. Emily hey, has no idea, as far as I know. <laughs> baby, Yoda, baby Yoda's getting the chainmail. Lord of the Rings, yeah. love it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Mithril. It's great stuff. It's very sturdy. As much as I don't want to see him show up in this show, I, I, I really want to see little Baby Yoda end up Baby Chainmail. Picture all of the action figures they're going to release like two years from now. Oh no. <laughs> wow. Here come another 20 Funko Pops of Grogu. Yeah. We don't have enough already. In various, in Give various me more Padme. Uh, no. We're going to get, a, we're gonna get a, a Grogu and Din in the N1 Starfighter. <gasps> yes. Okay. I'll but, we'll start with, like, with Din holding the, the little red and white envelope Ooh, or whatever. They'll be the first Funko Pop. Funk, Funko Pop. Right. So, yeah, in two weeks, you can pre order that for 2024. Mm -hmm. we, we might also get the Black Series because it's really easy to just make just the little thing and just stick it in an existing Mando paint. Yeah, there you mm -hmm. go. I think that they, Piece you know, those, 
those little red candies that everybody's grandmother has that look like mm-hmm. little strawberry wrappers. I think they should make those, but have the little Grogu inside. So like you unwrap it and like it's a little Grogu candy inside the little wrappers. Aww. Again, I'm just saying, Disney, we're full of ideas. Hire Let us spice things up. Did anyone knew that the armory was so good at arts and craft that could just bow tie that to look like <laughs> Grogu in two seconds? Just like, okay, here you go. Just so you remember that one person you left behind. Actually. Yeah, it just she just brought him down pretty quickly. Oh, you know, Kelly has... Mata was right. She Kelly was like, What the hell did you do that for? Why'd you get rid of him, idiot? <laughs> there you go. Circus. My mom loved that line because she said that like a year and a half ago. She was like, They should open like a petting zoo and they should have like a baby Grogu's on, like on display for petting. When Kelly said that, she was like, I'm Moto. <laughs> you gotta tell your mom it's time yeah. to turn off like the Amazon Echoes and the Google. Like, don't let them take your ideas for free, yeah. mom. Yeah. That's another another part for Galaxy's Edge that you guys keep pitching the little yeah. petting yeah. Google petting. There you go. <laughs> More ideas. Oh, I love that. So, I know Maggie had some very strong feelings about the way Din's arc ended not ended but like the way things ended with the mandalorian covert mm-hmm. yes. because pass Vizsla challenges him for the dark saber and loses but then the armor decides now's the time to start asking people if they've ever taken their helmet off and i'm like is this just how you end conversations i don't understand and then din cannot tell a lie and says <laughs> yes i did though and ultimately, for some reason, decided to tell the truth and gets immediately kicked out with zero, zero hesitation. So, yes. Yeah, I had a lot of feelings about this. I had a, I had 2,000 words worth of feelings <laughs> about this. Yeah. Um, I've always related very heavily to Den's whole arc with the realizing that he was like in a cult and like how this like shapes your, your mind and like religion as a, as a whole, I have a lot of issues with, but Den, Oh, I, it frustrated me. Cause like, I loved this arc so much and I loved how this episode handled it. And I went to Twitter and I saw a bunch of people that were like, Oh, Den regressed. Den went back. Like they deleted character building. And I'm like, no, this is exactly what happens. Everything went wrong in his life. He lost his ship, which is his home. He had to take his armor off, which you know is guilt, like just laying the guilt on him for doing that. Not to mention he took his helmet off to save himself, essentially, when the droid IG-11 saved him at the end of the season finale of season one. Mm -hmm. And then literally everything has gone wrong in his life. Like he lost his ship. He lost his armor temporarily. And then he had to put it back on, had to take his helmet off again. He lost the child twice one having Grogu stolen, the other to send off to Jedi camp. Everything has gone wrong since he broke the creed. So of course, naturally, when you have had everything taken from you, you go back to the thing that you think will save you, which is his relationship to the creed. So he goes back, tries to fit back in. I mean, he's willing to reshape himself, to remold himself in the forges of the armors, you know, forge there to fit back into what's left of their covert. And he he does so well, he tries, you know, he's, he's ready to do it. And then the second that he does the right thing, 
he he does the duel. You know, he could have said no. He could have just yeah. been like, nah, I don't want to fight you. I'm not <laughs> going to do this duel. He does it. He wins. He's still, you know, the the rightful heir to the the Mandalore, you know, throne per this, you know, myth. And he still he still gets kicked out. And it's so particularly terrible that they call him an apostate because an apostate is somebody who willingly leaves, not somebody who's kicked out. So essentially exactly. it's telling him that he made the decision to get kicked out. But the thing is that, that that really kills me is the fact that the armorer doesn't even ask. She gives him no opportunity to explain why he took his armor off. If she had, she would have learned that he did the one thing that Mandalorians stand for, which is protecting a foundling. He did it to save the child, which should, you know, amend the, the sin that he's made uh but it doesn't and i think it's interesting that even after he leaves he still refers to himself as a mandalorian to the tsa agent and says it's like his religion <laughs> to have you know weapons uh. um so he still uh, he still you know feels that he's a mandalorian he's done the right thing um and you know obviously you can't miss the allusion to like baptism uh because he has to go dip himself in the waters in the mines of mandalore that aren't even accessible anymore it's all it's all there but I, I think a lot of people think he's going to go on that quest I almost wonder if he he is going to go on that quest it doesn't seem like he is I feel like the little kernel of information that the armor delivered that the person who created the dark saber was both Jedi and Mandalorian is why he's now like well I'm gonna go see Grogu <laughs> like he yeah. probably thinks Grogu is can wield the dark saber That'd be so awesome if he could. Or, Imagine little that would be fantastic. <laughs> what if it Grogu teaches Din how to use it? Yes. Whoa. Like, there's so much there. Sabine Kanan. Yes. <gasps> there's Give just so Sabine much. Training. And it, it's not character regression. It's it's the natural way that this works when you get out of that cycle of thinking. Like, you go back, you realize you can't actually mm -hmm. go back, and then you break out of it, and you try to find where you fit into things. And I think that, you know, where Boba is is a really interesting place to, to kind of mirror where Din is because Din can see this alternative path where he could retire from being a bounty hunter. He could create a family for himself, which is basically what Boba's doing. And then he doesn't have to lead this life that's been put onto him, like the armor that he wears. So yeah, I have lots of feelings. Nice. That was kind of like stream of consciousness. I apologize. Snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you guys feel like the like the big event that I think Arzu mentioned it earlier, how all these uh, um, shows are leading up to an event? Do you think it's going to be like the reclamation of of Mandalore once again for like the Mandalorian people? Because I feel like you know Boba's gonna come to the table, like you know Mando's gonna help him, Boba's gonna help him take back Mandalore, and you get Bo-Katan coming in, and um, you know, maybe Ahsoka because Ahsoka was there for the Siege of Mandalore, so maybe it makes sense yeah. for her to come back for the reclamation of Mandalore, yeah. you know, kind of right the wrongs of the past. Do you feel like that's where now that, you know, Maggie yeah. made all those amazing points about how he's sort of now going back to the place where he fits in, with, with which is with Grogu and with this Darksaber and uh, maybe with Bo-Katan's people. Um, do, do you feel like that's like a natural... Um, a natural so. path for this series and this franchise, the Mando franchise? I think it's interesting that the armor keeps saying, I mean, they talk about the Great Birch. They talk about what happened to Mandalore. But at the same time, I keep going. I, I, I was watching the the, higher, the, higher is the chapter 11 from season two. And 
how is no we're gonna reclaim our world so at one point the we've we've been pointed as oh mandalore is lost it's a plant full of glass and whatnot but at mm -hmm. the same time it's like yeah no but we're gonna reclaim it like they're they're throwing that question who's who's saying the right thing on and what is the right what is the reality regarding mandalore at that point so i i think that's that's a really a strong possibility that that's going to be the big band so i thought after watching this episode i think that's where season three of mando is obviously going and I always thought that the throne thing might be the big event that they all get together at some point. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people on Twitter were talking maybe throne has been hiding on Mandalore or creating his his whatever his fleet is out there in Mandalore and then everything kind of connects. And maybe now with everything that we're getting, that's where it both kind of will be the same thing. But it's funny we're saying or that the armor is like, yeah, Bo Katan and her people and all that's what we're where we're at. And she's and her people, the armor and that cover is always hiding. But Bo Katan is the only one trying to reclaim Mandor and do something for the whole planet. Yes. And then the armor is like, no, she's like a scenario tale. We'll just wait till the planet is cool, then we'll go back. It's like, you, you gotta do something on your own. You can just be hiding. <sighs> well, I don't know. With the exception of the Cassian Andor show, which we really have no idea of what it's going to be about, except a gateway for more pretty Diego Luna on my screen. Um, <laughs> all of all of the spinoffs have people who have major connections to Mandalore. I mean, even yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi mm -hmm. technically yeah. has <clears throat> pretty mean, big connection to Mandalore. Pretty big connection. Yeah. Um, had. I'm just wow. Saying. Wow. I'm just saying. <laughs> look. He we don't know if Corky is dead or We don't alive. know where's Corky. I'm just saying. Corky's uh, the armorer. <laughs> He's using a voice modulator. <laughs> but I feel like it has to be that we're moving towards Mandalore. They've made too much of a point to yeah. talk about Mandalore like yeah. at every opportunity. They've now shown us Mandalore. They did not mm -hmm. have to show us that that felt that's a lot of money to create that sequence if it doesn't directly tie into something later on. And while Star Wars has failed before in this, <laughs> at least Favreau seems to have like a control on a lot of things. So he probably can control within himself what's going to happen. But I'll be really honest in saying that, like, I am not thinking about the long game in all of this and that's perhaps because i'm not necessarily <laughs> well it's because i'm not a fan of the show the mandalorian and so that's part of the reason why i was like what is this you know for this week but now brad that you mentioned like we're like the 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 trajectory trajectory seems like mandalore that makes total sense and is I feel like what I clearly should be setting my expectations around, you know, <laughs> like yeah. um, stop being a fool, Sarah, by setting your expectations really specifically um, for for things that just aren't going to happen in the John Favreau era. Um, but it makes a ton of sense. And ultimately, with all the characters that they've already pulled in, it's totally plausible. Uh, and you're right, Maggie, like they would not pay all this money to to do a you know four second shot of Mandalore and bombs being dropped on Mandalore, if Mandalore is not important as a setting, um, so makes sense to me. 
Hope it's and in also Mandalorian. To, also <laughs> to pour in all that money into another season of Clone Wars to show us the Siege of Mandalore. Like they yeah, didn't have yeah. to do that, right? But that, that backstory informs what we're watching now and yeah. I think what's gonna come. I do I, think just one thing that I don't I think season three of The Mandalorian is going to build on this idea. I don't think that's where the reclamation of Mandalore is going to happen. Because I think Ahsoka is going to happen first with all the Thrawn stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I think I think they're being really clever. I know I've been saying I missed Boba and this episode should have come at a different time and whatever. But I do think they are being very clever about planting these Mandalore seeds specifically in crossover episodes. Because arguably the Book of Boba Fett hadn't started yet, but the tragedy still feels like a crossover episode. Because mm -hmm. it it yeah. takes place half in the middle, essentially, of episode four of the Book of Boba Fett. It happens like in, in between the two sequences. So they are being very clever about making sure that if you're following the Mandalore plot, you have to be watching all of the shows. Mm -hmm. And I would not be surprised if that continued through Obi Wan Kenobi, through Ahsoka, through the next season of Mando. Am I leaving anything out other than? The fifth, um, right? There's the Boba Fett series, Bokutan. which is the yeah. it, which is what was the rangers of the new republic right is, yes so as far obviously as i know <laughs> obviously bo katan is somewhat invested in the future of mandalore so like by just a little you know so just by like threading all of these things in, i do think that would be that would make sense for that to be the the big sort of i guess movie avengers style event at the yeah. end of all this i think the question that i have just in general is will everybody follow along mm. you know is everybody as invested in these stories as us sitting here uh, you know on this panel everybody on twitter i i don't know a lot of like general audiences people because i don't talk to star wars with people that i you know that aren't this level of star wars sort of people because then they think i'm really weird um but I'll be curious to know if like if that's where we're going and all of these shows are going to continue to have these crossover episodes in this sort of style. If everybody's just going to go with the flow and be like, yeah, okay, I haven't seen The Mandalorian, checked out, but I'm watching Book of Boba Fett. Now I have to go back and watch all of those. Or if they're just going to feel a little left out. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious if, the pe if people are going to join in on the serialized storytelling of it all or not. I think well from what I've spoken with from with casual fans and people general audience I think well they're kind of used to the Marvel model mm -hmm. so they're like okay yeah I have to watch this and that because from comments that I had from the Mandalorian the, this episode the return of the Mandalorian they were like, oh yeah from from the Mandalorian and when season 3 coming so yeah it seems there's some maybe not at the extent that we do that oh we uh look at every single detail but I, I, maybe i could see some and especially because you have it on disney plus so mm -hmm. you will watch it yeah I think star wars is trying to do their end game but with tv shows essentially yeah. instead of movies i think i think it's a little bit different because at least with the MCU for the most part, now with Disney Plus is a little bit different, but being movies is a little bit easier to follow, even though there have been like 20 movies. If you can all the episodes of Clone Wars and Mando and now Boba Fett, it's harder for casual fans to follow all of it. And I watch all these shows in my house with my family. My wife is a very casual fan, and she's watched all season Mandalorian with me and now Boba Fett, and she, she doesn't enjoy Boba Fett that much. 
And when it connects, she might ask, oh, what's this? So I have to want to be, oh, well, this connects with this one and this one, and they say, hey, yeah, whatever. So I think it depends on the, if it's a casual Star Wars fan, but it's into different fandoms, then I think it will be easier. But if it's just mm. like someone that just watches Star Wars because it's on TV, all these connections, they won't know what they are. And yes, like you said, Sarah, it won't have the same effect like it has for us. So it might fall a little bit in the expectations if they want the whole, everyone that's watching Disney Plus to know everything that's going on, unless they have someone next to them to kind of explain, no, no, this is why it connects. And then hopefully they get more excited about it. I don't know how many people are going to go back and rewatch all these other shows if they haven't, just because it's, it connects, if they're not a, at some, not a huge Star Wars fan, but kind of like that connection and crossover, like Maggie said before, crossover be, between all the shows. So it's 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 a difficult kind of in-between point, I think, for them. So we'll see if it pans out. I think the one clever thing they're doing is like, not exactly like what Marvel did, but in the early days of the MCU, every post credit would be like, this is our next thing. Yeah. This is our next thing. And like, they did that with the Mandalorian. They were like, Boba Fett is next. I was like, okay, great. Boba Fett's next. So if they cap off Boba Fett mm -hmm. with like, Mando season three is next. And they finish that with this is next. Like, it, you do run into that MCU problem of you have to watch 500 hours of content for this to make <laughs> sense. But at least there, there is that tracking through line for people who aren't following it and they know like which, what order to watch it in essentially. And I don't, I don't know, maybe this is me because I'm not a casual viewer, but I don't think there's anything in the book of Boba Fett that is totally not understandable for somebody who hasn't seen The Mandalorian. Up until this point, up until episode five, mm -hmm. at which point if you want to know what's going on, you have to go back. But up till now, I think it would have been fine for this to be somebody's starting point. Maybe I could be wrong. Prove me wrong on Twitter. Like, if I mean, I think the show is pretty accessible. And then, and yeah. then I think the reason why I'm like, ah, is because <laughs> this felt like a different show. Uh, and so I think people who may be like starting here might be like, who? He's wearing Fortunately. a mask, but a different one. <laughs> you know, I don't know. This is all over Disney Plus. Like, oh, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On it and just go. yeah. Baby Yoda is like Grogu, everyone. Everybody knows Baby Yoda. Speaking yeah. of, well, kind of, I guess, speaking of accessibility of Star Wars, um, how many Among Us are like expanded universe fans that are like fairly well versed? Old? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like 90s, I guess. 90s, early 2000s. No. Yeah, more I keep wondering if this is new Star Wars' Yuuzhan Vong war, um, because that whole arc, mm -hmm. they had fought with the Chiss, and Thrawn had issues with them. They had had a big old fight with Mandalore. That was a whole arc. Of course, we don't have the solo children anymore to really connect it. In any continuity. In any continuity. Any continuity. Um, it only exists it, in Legends. And just knowing that Favreau is of an age that the bulk of his Star Wars knowledge mm -hmm. lays in the novels because he's definitely a Star Wars fan of the Dark Era, uh, which is when, you know, the books became the thing because there was yeah. no movies or anything. It just, it makes me wonder because there's so many little through lines, except in that Boba becomes Mandalore. 
and there's like a whole subplot of that but like it, it just makes me wonder it, and this has been in the back of my head ever since that disney plus investors day where they talked about this like leading up to this big event and just knowing that thrawn had just been like introduced into live action with the ahsoka you know spinoff and just kind of seeing all these like little pieces and the hints of it and i don't necessarily know if all of the Thrawn stuff has been like re-added into the new Thrawn canon. I'm sure Zahn has added it here and there. Uh, but it just makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if we're leading to something that is this era's use on Fong War. Because that was a big thing for Expanded Universe people. Anybody mm -hmm. who's listening to this that is an, an EU kid oh, knows yeah. it was it's very big. big. That I know what they use in Fong War. Because it was... <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's how big it is. The big crossover event. Yeah. It was all of these different book series kind of merged together into this one central arc culmination. People died, things happened, lots of action. It was very cool. Um, Sounds like the High Republic. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that for the longest time, I was thinking that the High Republic was going to become like the new expanded universe. Um, but now I'm starting to think that they're pulling from some of the EU. If only we could bring back the solo children. Um, I will die mad about that. Um, all of them, Ben Solo included. Not to be confused with Ben Skywalker, which is a different yeah. Ben. Ben Skywalker, yes. Not as cool. Um, but yeah, I just I just wonder if that's where they're going because I think it'd be really cool. Um, I also don't want it because I feel like a lot of people who like me but more extreme were salty about the closure of the eu um when star wars got acquired um will just be really annoying if they get too much eu <laughs> yeah like with purpose mm -hmm. yeah like just enough like a sprinkling like remember that thing you loved here it is new and better <laughs> all right so we didn't even talk about <laughs> The Naboo side of things oh. and the episode one side of things. It's not yellow anymore. <laughs> it has a little stripe still. There's a little know, yellow splotches. I was a little selfishly, just a little bit very petty, sad, but it was amazing. Okay, I'll stop mm -hmm. talking right now. We, let's, we can hype it up. We can hype it up, but it's not yellow anymore. I was sad. Big fan <laughs> of Den Jaren, whose kid just went away to college and he got himself a hot rod fixer upper. <laughs> yeah. He's got yeah. a serious case of emptiness syndrome. Mm -hmm. really bad. I know. <laughs> he bought a yeah. race car. I, know. I went to a race course. That was the first mm -hmm. thing he did with it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm still not Bigger happy. Scanner. Yeah. <laughs> Wizard. The Ram Jamaram influence. <laughs> uh, with, yeah. I mean, the, the Middle Age crisis hit him quick and hard. Quick and fast. And he just <laughs> had to go... Go into the race course and then get pulled over by the police. And then use a knock. Yeah, I, just, just I just like that it's the one cop that keeps pulling him over. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's a little bit there. Okay. Pa. Did anybody pa, else pa. feel like there was some meta meta commentary going on? Like I know Rangers of the New Republic it seems to have gotten pretty much canned for the most part. And everybody describes it as the cop show. And I love how the two X Wing pilots are like do you really want to go back and fill out all that paperwork? And I'm like, that's what the show would have been. It just would have been a bunch of cops filling out paperwork and pulling people over. This sucks. I don't want that. This is bad. Nope. We're really trying to make his idea happen, even though it's probably not happening. And it's yeah. not probably, it's definitely not happening yeah. anymore. But he's trying to work in like all of these jokes that he had like had in his back pocket for that show. He's just weaving them into this one now. Like, no way, we're not doing that. 
I will say the the flight through through Beggar's Canyon I thought was just so beautifully shot. Yeah. I don't know why it reminded me of like the Aviator, like just some of the shots like inside like at the front of the the cockpit looking at oh. Din and like even inside the cockpit like right below Din. Great great angle by the way. But you know looking <laughs> up at Din, great angle. Very <laughs> a lot going on there. Um, woof, woke us up in me. Um, so yeah, no, it was. I think it was great because. I think you have like Din Djarin, who's obviously like back in like the lowest point of where he was before he met Grogu. And so for him, it feels like this was sort of a freeing moment where he could just fly mm -hmm. with like nothing impeding his flight, except for the, you know, the space cops eventually. But um, he was, he was just, uh, he was just a free, a free soul. Finally, like he had a ship mm -hmm. and he could kind of go up into the sky, wave back to the kids, say, Hey, I was in that cruiser. You were just in kind of depressed and look at me now. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. And now the Rodian kid's like, I want that ship, you know? So I think for him, it, it was, uh, as much as it was like nostalgia for us, uh, Phantom Menace fans, I think it's not just purely nostalgia. I think it's uh, a symbolic of Din, like finally, like tapping back into uh, a side of himself that he's been missing for a while. So that yeah, was beautiful. I, yeah. For Imagine me, was... nostalgia has thematic purpose. <laughs> yeah. Right. Go ahead. Wow. The, yeah. the thing, the guardrail that Anakin busts through in the Phantom Menace is still, still broken still on there. the side of the hill. Yeah. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. But for me, was like we we're saying, Brad, when he's when the N one is finished and he's walking around it, the Mando thing is going. It's a, in a different key. It felt like he finally reclaimed something. Right? He's been losing everything, like Maggie said. Lost his ship. Lost his son. Got kicked out of. of being a Mandalorian, now he, again, he's trying to rebuild and now he has his own ship. Something that people can't take away. This is mine. I'm trying to now, I'm trying to get back to who I was before. So I love that for him. And then just everything through Vegas Canyon, then flying out of the atmosphere, Tatooine was one of my favorite shots. And seeing the X-Wing, which is my, are my favorite ships, just seeing them with the N1, bringing like the three generations, the prequel with the N1, the original trilogy with the X-Wings, and then Mando in the middle for the new guys. It's kind of just bringing everything together. Great closure. Just a great kind of ending to the to the episode. Macquarie and Chang on screen at the same time. Yeah. It's uh, it's a sight. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting because, um, you know, callbacks having thematic purpose. Yes. But there's also a lot of callbacks that just exist to exist, like in this episode as well. And I think it's all really effective. Um, and, and that's the thing where I'm like, this is but Star Wars, but why is it here? You know, like it's all effective um, because we get a mention of the Queen of Naboo. And we're like, yes, we get a BD droid. Like, stop, like stop, like stop it right now. This is too much. Like I can't handle it. Um, and and we get all these moments that are really joyous and, and exciting, you know, both that serve thematic purpose and both that are just like a good time. Why not throw that in there? And yeah. so it's, it's really mm -hmm. kind of exciting to see those two modes of thinking it coexist because the thematic yeah. purpose one like justifies having this the the there just to be there sort of ones um in a way that i think you can't necessarily have just the, the sillies if that makes sense i'm rambling yeah, yeah no now that you <laughs> mentioned that sarah uh when uh pelimoto mentioned the queen of naboo in my head was you know the snl rap by natalie <laughs> like, say That's something about the yeah. 
<laughs> you know, that's exactly what they wanted you to to have in your head. So you, mm -hmm. you absolutely nailed that one. <laughs> as much as Peli Motto is trying to be like a used car salesman, like trying to sell him like, hey, but listen, listen it's to the features of this thing, right? I think that there's also like a, a subtext to that as well. Like, listen, the prequels, though, they're great. Like, they're a classic. This mm -hmm. is a classic. Awesome. Like, they're good, man. You got to you got to embrace this. I know it looks like junk and people say it's junk, but like it's actually really, really good. Mm -hmm. You need to, you need to buy into it like immediately. So that, that, that felt like a, a little bit of vindication there as well. So yeah. Amy Sedaris. Great. Great stuff. Just awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. So we've been talking about these two for a while. So final thoughts on these two episodes. Me likey, likey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm I very think... curious to see how the show sticks the landing and I can't wait for Mando season 3 <laughs> yeah I think both episodes both episodes were great um, they picked back up I know episode 3 was kind of meh but these two were great just individually and like Brad says how do everything now connect with the final two episodes and that's when we're going to see if this was just a throwaway kind of prelude to Mando season three if it actually meant something for the book of Boba Fett. So yeah, very excited and can't wait to see what happens in a couple of days. Yep. I oh. look forward to, to seeing how it all concludes. And uh, I really, really hope it sticks to landing for me and just in general as well. Yeah. And please Same. bring back up Vanth. I need to see him. Oh, yes. Vanth. No, I, I love this two episodes, even if they're different approaches. I, I enjoy them. And well, just a quick mention from this last episode, we had like a sprinkle of Bonek when, uh, well, at least for me, when Fennec mentioned about Boba, when when uh, Dean tells Boba Fett, oh, he sure would appreciate it. So I, I know it was, she was like kind of. It's because they're a couple. She speaks for him too. <laughs> I know. I love that. So I'm really excited. I'm hoping it sticks to landing. But anyhow, I'm really looking forward for season three of the Mandalorian as well. All right, cool. So Maggie, could you tell everybody where they can find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Maggie of the town. I have a link tree in my bio to make it very easy to find all of my various pursuits. Uh, every Wednesday I'm over at Collider uh, reviewing the book of Boba Fett. And then you can find me on the Hollywood Critics Association's live stream as we break down the episode as well on Wednesdays. I'm all over the place. My link tree is the best place to go. Norhal? Thank you. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Norhal. You can find me on Instagram at Norhal and Norhal Music. YouTube, my channel is Norhal. Don't forget the hyphen. And in my Twitter bio, Sam, you can find my link tree with all my contributions as well. Brad? You can find me personally at Brad Whipple on Twitter, uh, also Letterboxd. You can see all the stuff I'm watching. And uh, I'm a co-host on Friends of the Force. So we have our uh, Boba Tea series where we cover Book of Boba Fett as well. So that's every every Wednesday uh, or we record it like every, every every two weeks. So it's been fun. It's been fun. Alberto? Yeah, thanks for having us. It was great being here. Uh, you can at Radio Rebel Pod on Twitter and Instagram or YouTube shows every Saturday at 5 p.m. next week. Arsu will be there, and then Maggie will join us for the finale. So it's going to be interesting. So <laughs> thank you. And hopefully you can tune in. And Sarah? 
Uh, I like Brad. I'm on Friends of the Force. We talk to each other. It's a podcast. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at SCH221 uh, and on Instagram at Sarah's Puzzle Pages, where I talk about books and jigsaw puzzles, <laughs> two of my favorite things. All right. As for me, you can find me personally on Twitter at Arzuamin, and that's where you can get all your Space Waffles updates as well. Um, collectively, as a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the Geeky Waffle. We are also at thegeekywaffle.com, and that's where you can see all of the other shows we have on our network, as well as our Book of Boba Fett recaps, among other things. Check it out there. Um, we also have our Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle, and that's where we post things like our Waffles After Dark, and where you can get access to our Discord server. So thank you all so much for listening. The prequels are classics, and may the waffles be with you.